We want to praise God for the release of Pastor Saeed Abedini yesterday. Amen. And, uh, of course, we're going to hear all kind of people taking credit for it, but we know all glory goes to God. Because, amen, we serve a God who hears and answers prayer. And uh, the Bible says to let the sighing of the prisoner come up to God. It's coming, You know, when they sigh, it's a prayer at the throne of God, and it's heard. So he needs people down here, though, to intercede at the throne. There's a warfare that you have to fight for the release of things that are being held captive. And so we're so thankful for that. I know recently I saw a report where his wife was uh, trying to throw him under the bus. And I thought, God, you better get that man out of there. You know what I'm saying? Because before she was the one who was pressing for his release. I don't know what happened in her mind and her heart. But, you know, you you got to really watch yourself in the things of God, you know, because you never know uh, the minute you decide to give up, that's the time that God wants to turn the tide. You see what I'm saying? So now she's got damage control to, to uh, figure out how to get back on the right course in their marriage and, and all of that. So we got to continue to pray for them, uh, for them to be a strong family again and, and to wreck. Because this is what the devil wants. He wants to destroy relationships, families, and, and the children's future uh, through oppression and through stress. And, and some people can only take so much. You know what I'm saying? But God. Amen. But God. So we're believing God for total reconciliation and restoration of all things in that family. So it's uh, encouraging. I got more encouraged. I know Brother Copeland, uh, um, it was a, which believers conference was the one, the Southwest, the one was this summer. Okay, he was ministering and, and uh, he was saying he announced that he had seen him walking out of prison. And that was in July. And so prophecy always encourages my prayers. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, sometimes you can, that can just be a name that you call out to God. And then all of a sudden it's, a, it's some faith added to that. Amen. So I'm thankful for that. You know, when prophecies are right... And when they're accurate, they can do a lot of damage to the devil. That's why, amen, that's why he's got so much false stuff out there because he wants to keep people confused and not wanting to hear prophecy. But I, I can tell when the spirit of prophecy is on somebody. That's what many people don't discern. Is that the spirit of God on that individual to deliver a word to you? If so, well, let's have it. But if it ain't God, go back in the bathroom where you've been prophesying to people. Go back in your office. <laughs> a little inside joke, but you all know what I mean. You know, you get to a meeting, God's promised you certain things to happen at that meeting, and somebody hijacks you in the bathroom and wants to give you a word to derail everything God's trying to do for you. If you want a prophecy, come in the meeting room and get it. I don't let. Amen. We don't let prophets chase you down around the meeting to give you a word. It's all given publicly. It's the way it's supposed to be given. So praise God. We thank God for that. Amen. <clears throat> so anywho, today we're going to talk about the fact that obedience guards your heart. Obedience guards your heart. I know many times we try to make a struggle out of the things of God, but he's made it so easy for us. Uh, if you are born again and spirit-filled, you have a, <clears throat> a powerful relationship with God. You have the ability, by being filled with the Spirit, 
that means there's no room for anything else to come and fill you up. You got me? Amen. So, and when you get low on the spirit, you begin to hunger for more of the spirit, not hunger for other things. So it's, it's good to stay filled with the spirit. The Bible talks about praying in the Holy Ghost and, and you know, releasing your most holy faith, building up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so we, as believers, you know, we live in a, a flesh body and we're born in sin and shaped with iniquity, but God, you know, God begins to do a work in us where he comes into our heart and begins to fill us with himself. And so in Proverbs 4, where, where we want to start in verse 20, it says here, <clears throat> my son, attend to my words, pay attention to what I say. Man, you ever had, you, you know, parents, sometimes your kids, when they get a little older, they want to try and challenge you and tell you, well, the teacher said, and they say, no, listen to what I said. What am I telling? I'm your mom. I'm telling you this. That's what God is saying here. Amen. He's, I mean, if that's the way you treat your children, it's a good thing. It's a godly thing. Because you're telling them the words of God, hopefully. We tell, tell our children, teach our children in the ways of the Lord. And he says, attend to my words. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Because you're going to hear a lot of voices out there tell you a lot of things. But if you listen to God's word, you won't go wrong. He says, <clears throat> incline your ear to my sayings, which means stretch, stretch out, you know, and put your ear out there like that. And he says, and keep them in the midst of your heart. Amen. Incline your ears to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Okay. That means stay focused on the word of God. You know, there are all kinds of, of uh, answers, we think, that will come to us for situations that we find ourselves in. But you stay focused on God's answer. Because it's amazing how quickly your situation will turn around when you shut everything out except God's word. You know, it's amazing because I sometimes I think about, I said, you know, 10 minutes ago I was thinking all discouraged and everything. Now all of a sudden everything looks very, very different to me. And what made the difference is what I chose to give my attention to. It's interesting. We talk about things like health and healing. And we'll say things like, you mean I really am healed? Yeah, you got to stay focused on that, though. You won't get it by being distracted. You understand? You can go, and this is how miracles happen. When you see people get up and all of a sudden can walk, or all of a sudden can move a limb where they couldn't move it before, it's because they focused on what God was saying and immediately were converted and healed. It doesn't take long. It does not take long at all. And I think if we can stay focused on what God really says in his word, it'll, life will be a lot more pleasant for us. It'll be a lot easier for us. It'll be a lot more enjoyable for us because our focus is on him and his word, and it's not on anything else. Amen? And so you have to shut everything out. What did the prophet tell, tell the widow with her son? He says, when you go and pour this oil, he said, I want you to shut the door. Get you and your sons in that room. Shut the door behind you. Well, it's hot up in there. How come we can't keep to see you distracted already? See how easy it is? When you want something from God, you got to stay focused till you get it, folks. You just can't. 
listen to every wind and wave and everybody's input and output and all that stuff and think you're going to get something from God. It's by focusing your, your whole attention on it. He says, <clears throat> don't let them depart from your eyes. Amen. Just, you know, even if your eyes stray, you refocus again. Pull yourself back in and get focused on the word of God. He said, keep them in the middle of your heart. Keep them central in your heart. In other words, don't let something else get in there and start to give you a longing for something other than what God has for you. Now, listen, you and God want the same things for you. The thing of it is, you need to want it from God. You you should care how your blessings come. Let me put it that way. We should care how our blessings come. First of all, if you're if you're an impatient person, you run out and initiate a lot of things for yourself. You know what you what you start to to uh, what you gather on your own, you have to take care of it yourself. See what God gets for you, He'll take care of it. Amen. He'll help you take care of it. He's not obligated to help you take care of them Ishmaels and all the other things that we want lot and all the folks we want to drag around with us. Amen. Just because we're accustomed to doing things a certain way. So God will will protect and perfect that which concerns us that he brings into our lives, not stuff that we just want to have because we feel like we want to have it. He knows that how emotional and fickle we are sometimes. Today you want it, tomorrow you don't care about it. Amen. And so we, we, we need to understand how important it is that we stay focused and keep our faith in God's word, keep everything invested in him, 100% invested in his kingdom. And he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because that's where life comes in. The word of God brings life to you. So he says, it's life to those that find them or that obey them, that understand them and hold fast to them. And health to all of your flesh. Or healing. It brings The word brings healing to all of your flesh. So if there's a, sometimes you have worried flesh. Sometimes you have sick flesh. You know, infected flesh. Or a cancer in your flesh. Anything like that. The word of God brings health and healing to all of it. It doesn't matter what the ailment is and what they call it. Sometimes people will, will want to put big words on small things. You know, some of your, your smallest bacteria have the largest names. You know, Streptococcus, Staphylococcus, and all them coccuses and, and, you know, all they cousins and Babrococcus, Man Man Caucus, you know, all them things. And it's just a microscopic, teeny little thing. And so this is what the devil does. He does it like that because he knows it's small. He knows all they have to do is figure out the right something to kill it or you stand on the word to get rid of it. I prefer standing on the word simply because you're not dependent upon. Because see, after a while, everything from the world, because it's temporary, doesn't work anymore. So what you going to do when Staphyla boogeyman comes get you know where he don't you know bow to that little germ killer they've been giving him all this time you gotta think about something else and so many times we go to the word as last resort 
which that's cool with God as long as you show up. You understand what I'm saying? Father's, father's interested in having you show up. On time, late, it does his heart good when his kids show up. You understand what I'm saying? Better for you if you be on time. You understand what I'm saying? It's better for you. And so he says, there are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. He said, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. Your heart's important. Your heart is your spirit. That's who you really are. That's the most important part of you. And he says, for out of it are the issues of life. So everything that you will do, desire to do, springs forth out of your heart, springs forth out of your spirit and out of your spirit man. Now, the strongest part of you and the most eternal part of you is your new creation or spirit man. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart against other influences coming in because then you'll start to ponder and desire things that are only pleasing to your flesh. And so they're really, this is really the struggle of humanity to keep your desires pure, to keep your desires godly desires. See, when I say pure, that it doesn't mean it's no fun. You know, that's the first thing people's minds go to when you say things like holy, pure, righteous, it comes in the category of no fun. As Christians, we need to stop thinking that way. Amen. Amen. Because everything else will kill you, upset your life, will change your life dramatically forever. Amen. It'll set your life on a, a course that you never thought you would wind up being in. You ask some of them people with them orange jumpsuits on. Huh? Your orange is the new black people. Huh? They make one bad decision, it ruins their life forever. You understand what I'm saying? God is merciful, but you don't want to live your life messed up, jacked up, and then get rescued and let that be your Christian testimony. God has a life for you of joy, goodness, ease, prosperity, success. You know, and even sometimes those words sound dull to Christians. I don't know what we think life is about, but it's not about being excited about everything all the time. You understand what I'm saying? It's a life in God. It's a life of peace in God. It's a life of purpose in God. It's a life of eternal value, not just temporal value of the things that we see on this earth that we're going to leave anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you people, you look at people's... Um, you know, you go to garage sales or house sales or something like that, and you see uh, um, goods that the people, if they passed away and left all these things, now this is their legacy. And, and many times it just goes to the goodwill and is thrown away. And they've spent all their lives accumulating these things that were very, very precious to them. Well, what do they have to show for their life on earth? What was their purpose here? And so when we understand our life in God, we're called to a heavenly calling, a high calling, a righteous purpose, and a godly purpose while we're here on this earth. If you don't sow to those things, your purpose is, is aborted. 
for being here on earth. And let me tell you, the devil is working 24-7 to help us abort our purpose for being here. He wants us not to fulfill the call of God. He wants us to always be screwing stuff up, always be impatient for some, always being anxious for some. Can't get enough of this and can't get enough and this don't come fast enough. When am I going to get mine? Huh? And so when we, when we talk about guarding your heart, obedience is the key to keeping your heart pure before God. All you got to do is obey the word and it's an automatic thing. You obey the word and you walk in the spirit and you're pleasing to God. So this is so important because your life is set on course by the desires of your heart. All of us. Whatever you desire determines how you occupy your your mind, your time, your resources. Everybody's going after something that they want in life. Amen. It's, It's rare that a person doesn't want anything. Now, people you see who don't really pursue much, they're stuck in fear in some way. In some way, they've let fear immobilize them. Because God has put in everybody's heart a desire to succeed, accomplish, to work, uh, to, to uh, produce, uh, be fruitful and multiply. That's something that works in everybody's mind. It does. That, that was spoken to humanity. What God speaks is there. It sometimes is there in a, a low, low energy form, as Donald Trump would say, low energy people. Uh, but, it, but mostly people who don't accomplish much, much are stuck because they're afraid. And they're afraid to step out or they just carry fear with them. And fear immobilizes you. It'll keep you, fear will keep you pinned up and then it'll frustrate you and you want to break out and do something, you do something wrong. And you're even more scared to try something else the next time. So that's how fear trains us to failure. Huh? So if, if you don't work hard on anything, if you're a person who's easily given over to fear, and, and you need to recognize when it's fear. Now, I, I can tell you a good way to know is, is when somebody mentions to you that it is fear and you, you say, no, it isn't, real quick. That's fear talking. He defends himself because he wants to stay in your life and wreck your life. But the Bible says God didn't give that to you so you can easily refuse it. If you say no to fear, amen. But see, sometimes we're lazy because oftentimes fear has been our constant companion. It's so familiar to us, we don't even know it's not right. We think it's okay to be afraid or okay to be self-conscious about. Be God-conscious. Amen. Be aware of the fact that God is with you and he's going to help you. Even though you don't feel strong and you don't feel courageous, you don't have to. He's got all the courage that you need. And he'll give you courage for the right things in life. Amen. You may not feel bold and confident about everything, but you'll have a confidence about the right things in your life. Amen. What you don't feel faith and confidence for, just don't mess with it. But don't give in to fear either. Amen. So what you desire determines how you occupy your time, resources, possessions, how you govern yourself. It determines your motivation, your activities, and the plans that you make. They're all centered around desire. What is it that you want? What do you want out of life? Well, I want to please God and I want to serve God. How are you going to do that? Hmm? What do you have in mind? 
Well, I'm not sure. Well, then that's a good place to be because you can pray and ask God. Amen. And find out exactly what he wants you to do. At every turn, fear will come up to try and stop you from doing it. Amen. But you got to have enough confidence in God to know he's told me I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it anyway. You don't get very far by giving in to fear. You'll be angry and frustrated. How come I can't do this? And how come I can't do this? And why doesn't this happen for me? And I, oh, so-and-so doesn't it seem so easy? Huh? It's fear talking. It's got you bound and, and held up. And what you must do is talk to God about these things so that you get them out of the way so you can be the success that God's called you to be. You won't do it with fear. You won't do it giving in to fear, and you won't do it listening to fear. Fear grabs everybody. You know, you see sometimes little children don't want to go uh, in a dark room by themselves and all that, and then some of them doesn't bother them. You know, I remember when Rachel was real little, she'd be walking around the house. I said, I don't even go up there. And she'd walk around the middle of the night and Baba, how you doing? Scared the two out of me. I'm sitting up this little kid, and she's only like four years old. She'd go all over that house, and you know, in the dark. And so, you know, sometimes it, some people are not as sensitive. And then sometimes in later years, fear will start to attack and grip them where they've been confident before. So it's a spirit that you have to fight because it's against your success. It's against your progress. And you fight it in the word of God. You don't fight it with these crazy antics that we do, you know, psyching yourself out, and puffing yourself up. Huh, that ain't nothing. You know, you're scared. You know, you deal it with it as a spirit. You can't talk to it in your flesh and deal with it as a spirit. You got to get it out of there as spiritual means. And so we do that by renewing our mind in the word of God. Amen. We have to so be in love with God's word and stay so in tune with it and renew our minds to the word of God. When you think differently, you'll overcome. The Bible says, as you think in your heart, so are you. Amen. So what you think in the innermost part of you, the deepest part of you. The part that nobody sees and nobody knows, that's where your, your desire is. You know, we've been told and taught and trained many times to be ashamed of what we want because we're afraid we won't get it. See, if you never own up to wanting it, you won't be embarrassed if you don't get it. Huh? The Bible says if you hope in God, you'll never be ashamed. Amen. I mean, and that's amazing to me because when you think about it, there's some things that we don't get, won't get, never will get. But we hoped for them, and it was in God, and we feel good about that. huh? It is an amazing thing because there are times when, when your hope is not so much in vain, but your hope is there to build your faith for something you want even more. Think about it. Why does God allow you to hope and use your faith for certain things and they either are slow in coming or don't come the way you wanted it to? Or sometimes the, the person that was key in your hope passes away prematurely? Huh? Did it hurt you to hope for that? We think things totally screwed up and crooked and dumb sometimes. We don't have our minds in the right. We're so focused on things, physical things, material things, 
and not focused on the inner workings of your spirit man it helped you to hope because hope made you get up every morning hope kept you alive hope kept you moving (laughs) hope kept you in the race hope helped you to overcome and, and understand some things in god it gave you relationship gave you something to talk about the god with some things we desire conversation starters I'm going to talk to the I passed the Methodist church on the way here. It was deader than a doornail, but I'll go. <laughs> it was closed. I think it was just 12 o'clock. Service was over. I'm just waking up. <laughs> God wants our hearts given over to him for safekeeping. So when you obey God, his, your heart is in his possession for safekeeping. He's the one who can keep it against everything. We are to guard against certain things and guard towards certain things. We, we judge and we decide what we let dwell in our hearts, what we let our minds focus on. Meditation is a way to get your heart stirred up for certain things. I never thought I would be a preacher. That wasn't even on my radar growing up. And, and as a, a younger person, I, I just it was never even in the picture. Well, how did I get saved and to be a minister and enjoy it? Amen. It, it's because there were certain things that came into my heart and I meditated on and I let other things go. you got to let some stuff go in order to get what God has for you. I'm going to say it again. You, you, you really do. You got to let some stuff go to get everything that God has for you. I remember reading a testimony. A, a man was saying that he said, uh, uh, I, I, was, I knew a couple, of, a missionary couple or something, couple minister couple, and he said, I had heard the husband had passed away, and the wife was living in a nursing home. He said, and I felt bad for her he said I I thought well I'm going to go see her and see if there's something he said the church should be taking care of her we should be doing anything and she went to visit he went to visit her and he said she was running that place she had (laughs) she was preaching to people and she was so joyful and hey he said I felt ashamed and embarrassed that I felt that her life would be so you know, because we always think of a cush life and get every hot and cold running. She was in there. She was preaching. She was happy. She said, leave. This is where God put me. This is where I want to be. She said, I meet so many people who don't know the Lord. She said, all my life as a pastor's wife, we knew believers. That was it. She said, I finally meet some people who don't know the Lord and I can minister to them. And I'm as happy as I can be. So when your heart is filled with the things of God, it'll shock you what will make you happy and give you joy amen when i was i was grew, growing up i always wanted something i'm gonna get old enough i'm gonna i'm gonna get a job and i'm gonna do this and i can have this and i can have that and, I, and mostly i give things away my joy now is to give away not to to and it was in me to give when i was younger but i have anything to give i felt you understand what i'm saying and so this thing will do a flip and a flop on you You'll be thinking you just about oh, all my life I've been wanting to do. You might have to cancel that show. You understand what I'm saying? You meet the Lord, that all that goes in the hopper because you have your eye has not seen nor has your ear heard 
the things that God has prepared for you totally. Amen? And so you want a glimpse of that life. You want to live in that life. You don't want to live this, you know, just look at all the people around you. You know, I'll be so happy when I grow up and I get married and I have kids. Well, look at the look at that. Take a look. You understand what I'm saying? You know, responsibility is not the same thing as privilege. You understand what I'm saying? It's just Let's get normal here. Let's just get normal. And I would say this, your family life is not the ultimate that you're putting this earth for. You will find some things out about what's in your heart to want to do. There have been many people who have been called into the ministry and had family responsibilities, but yet the desire to go to the mission field has been very, very strong in them. And not many people are strong enough to believe God to take the whole family, you know, and everything like that. Them Duggars, that little Duggar girl, she's a rare person, her and her little husband. You know, I love them, but that's going to be a hard life for every child that they, they bring into the earth. Would have to be born in a foreign country, out in, in impoverished areas. But the love of their hearts is not just to be parents, but also to go out into the, all the world and preach the gospel to, you know, the whole thing that we think is of secondary importance. And I think if we focus on the primary thing that we're, what can you do right now for somebody? You can tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, huh? While you waiting on Mr. Goodbar or Mike uh, Triple X, <laughs> Magic Mike Triple XL, you know, for your eyes only. Huh? Uh, your little private dancer. You know, you, you have plenty of time to do all of that. Huh? But right now, Magic might be on his way to hell. You need to give him a track or tell him about Jesus or something to get him, get him on the right track. Bless you, young brother. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, let's get real here. Right now where you are, you have eternity locked up on the inside of your spirit. Right now, right where you are. And you get focused on doing eternal things and Magic Mike can show up or he don't have to. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, And I ain't saying that because I was married too long. (laughs) Maybe, no. But uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Hindsight, foresight, whatever it is, I saw I saw greater things for myself than just being somebody's wife. And and that ain't coming from no women's lib thing either. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I pressed that brother up and down. He was 100% husband, and I was a 100% wife. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not my main purpose from being here. You know, if I couldn't win him to the Lord, that my life was not complete. That was that was what completed my life with him is winning him to the Lord. So you know, these things you've got to know. Eternal things are much more important than temporal things, much more. And so our hearts in God and in being obedient and uh, guarding our hearts through obedience is to be obedient in the eternal things. 
and make sure that that you keep that in the right perspective and only god can do that for you he's the only one who can do it for so we are to guard against certain things and guard for certain things our primary command is matthew 22 this is what we center our lives around Matthew chapter 22 and verse, I think it's 37 here. Jesus said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. One of the, trans- one of the accounts says mind and strength. He said this is the first and greatest commandment. So loving God comes first always. Huh? Magic Mike is second. Uh-huh. Second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. In other words, treat your neighbor better than you would want to be treated. You got me? Treat them better than what you would want to be treated. Because some days you don't feel so good about yourself. You can't depend on how you feel about you. You understand what I'm saying? But but if you can, can sow that seed and, and extend yourself a little bit, for your neighbor that's what god is saying here and so we are commanded to love him with everything that we have you love god now if you love god with everything that you have what's left for magic mike huh more than he could ever handle because if you love god with everything that's in you he gives you more to love people with that's the trick See, we want to love people with what we, with the little bit we have, then we don't understand why the relationship isn't what we thought it was going to be. Or why did that fall apart so quickly? Or how come I can't keep no boyfriend? Or I can't find nobody interested in me? Because you're still withholding something. See, you're withholding something from God trying to give it to Magic Mike, and he don't want it. what the world needs now is obedient christians you see if we obey god we'd have a lot of little sweet love huh we'd have enough for everything everybody but we just trying to live out of what we carry normally that's not going to keep you happy huh you don't have anything to give to anybody unless you give everything over to God. And then he can prosper you in your spirit and in your heart and in your mind. And you have overflow to share with somebody else. It gets better once you decide to give everything over to the Lord. Don't hold anything back. Amen. Don't withhold anything from God. Give him first of everything. God is not deserving of our leftovers. He is deserving of the first of everything. Huh? That's the way you honor God. You read your Bible. Read the Old Testament. Give me the firstling. The first that opens a matrix belongs to the Lord. The first of all the flock belongs to the Lord. The first of everything. Why did he tell them that? They didn't do it most of the time. But he had to tell them to teach them how to honor him. And how to, how to live your life. If you want a successful life, this is how you live it. By putting God first in everything. Making sure that he's not displeased with anything in your life. 
get those things taken care of and learn how to live with a, a, a peace between you and God that cannot be disturbed. And, and once you do that, your heart is guarded. He has your heart. He won't let anything in there that's not good for you. You know, I see a lot of young people, and I know they want to get married, but they're scared. And what's out here in this world is enough to scare you. You know, you married to, to your third husband for 20-something years, and now he a woman. We need to grow up. You understand, we need to grow up. You can't do this life without God, huh? A divorce at that point is a bad enough slap in the face, and then he want to be you. Show you how to be a woman the right way. Don't withhold anything from God. You got me? Let God have everything. You don't need to withhold anything so you'll have something to give. Well, you know, I, I just got to have some time for my, you ain't using your time for that no way. So quit lying. Huh? People running, running in, running out. I, I, well, I can't neglect my family serving God. No such thing. Huh? They probably... They'd probably be glad to miss some of them beans and weenie casseroles you got. Store-bought coleslaw and Panera bread where you don't let it sit up too long. Got to scrape that mold off of it. It'll be a blessing. Just go do something for God, okay? They will be fine. They will be fine. Huh? I remember when we first started the ministry, Pastor Shirley had been at home with her children most of the time. She worked some when Bridget was old enough to, you know, go to school and get lost. <laughs> She'd go lock herself in the bathroom, wouldn't come out to go to school. And it's full of little tricks, Trixie. Right. You know, so, <laughs> you know, they play you like that. But they weren't used to, they wanted the security of their mother because that's what they were used to all the time. And I remember when we had to, to, to leave and go uh, to a conference, and we knew that God told us to go. And Shirley wanted to go and wanted to make sure kids, they were teenagers at the time. You know, and like, you know, Mac and Tony, as big as they were, they didn't look like they was going to do right. You know what I'm saying? What is she telling them to you know, come home at a certain hour. They ain't going to do that. But, you know, you got to tell them. And then God spoke to her and told her that if she would take care of his business, he would take care of hers. Amen. Amen. And God's big enough. If you give him everything and give him first place, he's big enough to guard it all for you. Amen. So you don't have to worry about, you know, any things come up that upset you and or you get offended with somebody. God's big enough to forgive you and cleanse you. You don't have to be ashamed to tell him that you want to strangle somebody. You understand what I'm saying? It happens. You love everybody, but you can't like them all the time in everything that they do. People do some dumb, crazy, wicked stuff. But you can forgive them. I know you can. Because Jesus made it possible for that to happen. Huh? So we don't withhold anything. In Genesis 22, you see our prime example of that. 
with Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 in verse verse 15 says and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time he said by myself have I sworn said the Lord <laughs> because you have done this and I keep my word amen I didn't need nobody else to say this with me and he says, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. What about Ishmael? This ain't no time for a fallback. Amen. This is the promise. This is all the marbles. You got me? Abraham, you know, if, 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 if Isaac dies, that makes either God a liar or God able to raise him up or Abraham's been following a ghost all these years. You got me? And so there may come things, there may uh, come situations in our lives where we feel like it's very, very risky for us to obey God. Huh? Very risky. And some people, risky is, is forgiving somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or trusting somebody. And they're very risky. You know understand what I'm saying? And so <clears throat> God says, you have to trust me in these things. And so Abraham goes as far as to lift the knife over Isaac's throat to cut his throat. And he looks up and God shows him that ram that is there for the sacrifice. But Abraham had already seen him, that boy raised up. He had the faith for resurrection right there. So God, whatever you tell me to do, you will fix it and make it right even if I kill my kid in doing it. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is confidence in God. This is more than, see, this is Abraham after all those years of following God, making offerings, making sacrifices, making mistakes, going back to the altar of sacrifice again, getting those, those sins covered, all that kind of stuff. He walked in obedience to God all of his life. Did he make mistakes? Of course he did. Was was he still going to make more? Probably so. But your mistakes are not bigger than God's atonement in the blood of Jesus. They're never, if they were bigger, Jesus would not have gone to the cross at all. That would have been a wasted effort. So the other thing Christians, and this is the thing Christians really need to understand about sin. It's not so much what you do. Because this is what the, the, the way we get messed up here and we start looking for these sloppy grace doctrines to hold on to and nonsense. We try to look at our behavior and see if we did something wrong. At your point in life, this ain't what God's going after. In fact, it was never what he was going after. Sin is what we're born into. Sin is a desire somewhere in us to do selfish things that will be wrong or have thoughts that tend to to foster self the self-life only that's what he's after he's after that iniquity that thing in you that keeps grabbing at the wrong thing that keeps being scared of everything that keeps being ashamed of everything that's what he's talking about paul says lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us he's talking about a mindset of fear foolishness madness and mayhem and triple mic, my magic mic out of season. 
you understand what i'm saying that's what he's talking about desires that will pull us over into a selfish life which really that's a biggie because if your mind is is all day long with stuff that ain't right for you you may not do any of it but what's in your mind and what's in your heart that's what he's after when he's talking about repent when he says repent he's trying to get you before you step into stupid trying to get your mind from being stupid daydreaming and fantasizing all the time about nonsense stuff he didn't put into your mind i don't care if y'all don't like it i like it that's what he's after in my life you understand what i'm saying stuff i shouldn't be thinking about huh thou shalt not covet (laughs) it's a biggie that's why we got so many prophets and apostles on facebook huh you know the bible does say to earnestly covet means to desire the best gifts it means it means like this pastor shirley if you go to the supermarket you go in there with a mindset if god needs me to pray for somebody i'll pray for them so i've got to earnestly covet or desire a gift that's going to help somebody i don't want to give them a pep talk and i don't want to give them a business card i want to give them the anointing that's going to help them you see what i'm saying so that's what you do you desire help from god you desire something that's really gonna do it and not play around with it you understand what i'm saying and so so yeah we're we're to desire but to minister and minister help to people not to try and get something a name a title for ourselves you understand what i'm saying i like what pastor shirley was ministering about saul having the title and no anointing david had the anointing and no title neither one of them was ready for the job you know who took care of israel all these them years when they was fighting god took care of his people all in years and god will do it now you know you don't have to fight about a title they don't recognize me they don't they don't understand my gift they don't need to they can't put bread on your table they can't take food away from you they can't pay your bills and they can't evict you but god can so you want him to be pleased with what you are and who you are amen i don't i don't try to live off of one gift i'm not a one gift wonder you understand what i'm saying i'm i'm living out of everything that god has given me to do i like experiencing different things in god you see people on there talking about they prophesying and then got a cuss word sitting up there you know it's so easy to delete words as you and not to even put them on there and if they're in your heart to put on there what kind of ministry you got got the devil trying to minister out of the devil to i tell so and so well you don't have good rule over your spirit you can't tell me nothing you kidding me <laughs> that's what he's talking about in sin this stuff inside of there to get stirred up when we get offended and then you want to blast everybody uh-huh. every other day people tell me i'm deleting somebody off of here and then they begging for friends i say you're so hard up you're pitiful huh you don't know the holy ghost is your best friend yet you're trying to be a minister don't get even with somebody but deleting them <laughs> can i go first huh? delete me that ain't my life anyway jeez 
So Abraham did not withhold his only son. That's the promised son. You ever think sometimes God is killing your promise? Well, does he still want me to have that? Taking so long. I don't know if I heard him right when I prayed. Huh? Give it to him. Let him have it. Yep, let him have it. Yep, let him have it. God, I can't, I can't withhold it from you. I can't hide it from you. I can't protect this from you. Huh? Sometimes you have kids, you really need to cut them loose as far as worrying about them and trying to make sure they got this and got that. They need to take care of themselves. Sometimes your kids can pray faster and harder and, and better than you can. You scratching your head and pulling out clumps of hair and they decide they're going to quit and get serious with God and got it in two days. <laughs> Abraham did guard his heart by strict obedience to God. You see, many times in the Bible, he sees, uh, he sees uh, strangers, visitors coming to his house and he prepares a sacrifice for them. Huh? That's, that was his worship to God. Amen. Which is just a thought. What sacrifice do we prepare for God? The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. Huh? Shouldn't come to him without offering him something. Huh? God, I thank you for saving me. Let me give you some time today. Talk to me what you want me to do. Help me understand my assignment here better. Help me be more diligent doing it. Let me get on it. Instead of, you know, prayer partner got to chase you for three days and you still don't pray. See, it hasn't, people, people have a hard time accepting certain things. You know, they just have this fight in them against commitment, um, you know, whatever it is, there's a rebellion. And see, when, when God talks about repent, that's what he wants. He wants that rebellion inside of you. See, it was dealt with already at the cross. We hang on, and we don't understand that that's what God's after. He wants that out of the way so that he can have relationship with you. You can have a successful life. It hurts you in the long run. See, we're not smart enough to see it and accept it, but it hurts us. Because it, it, that may be why, see, this is, this is what we have. We have uh, things that are missing in our lives we haven't conquered yet. You think that could be why I haven't overcome it? You think that might be? But see, if you say it to the person who's doing the rebelling, that's the last thing on their mind. Oh, no, God understands. I, you know, I, I can't do that. I got too many things to do. I got a job. I got a You ain't going to have that pretty soon. You keep messing around. Being rebellious, huh? It is the truth. Very true. But see, we live in this fantasy bubble where we don't really believe the word of God is true. We think we get a free ride because we saved. Salvation means a free ride. But actually, salvation means a higher standard that we have to live up to now. We don't have a low standard of living here. We have a very high standard of living. I can't. If I, I'll tell you one of the things that upsets me more than anything, I'll go to, to uh, the grocery store, like to Mark's or something, 
and I stick everything. I try to fit the whole grocery bag by, uh, cart into that top shelf up there where my purse is sticking up there too. And then I get out there in the parking lot and I got half my groceries stuck under my purse in that thing. I said, take this stuff back in there. You want to just throw it in the car, you know, just go home. Or leave it out in the parking lot. I got to go all the way back in here and turn myself in and get these people their groceries so I'm not a thief. Some of y'all finally figured out why I was taking it back. See what I'm saying? I don't see nothing wrong with that. That's your girl. Just take your blessing and go home. Bunch of crooks. Telling you. Crooks in the kingdom. Lord have, Lord have mercy. Well, that's an honest mistake, even though it ain't. I live at a higher standard. I know stealing. I've been trying to steal all my life and can't get away with it. Huh? <laughs> I ain't tried it, don't work. It's the truth. Abraham obeyed the level of knowledge that he had. That's all God's holding you accountable. And you ain't no baby in God. You know, we all know better. Huh? We just want to steal anyway. You want to see if you can get minimum, maximum benefit from minimum effort. When God says he's coming after sin, that's what he's after. He's after that thing in you that wants to give a little bit and get a lot. It bugs me. It still bugs me. And I enjoy giving. But, you know, I'll get to a point where I don't look at what's in my bank account. And I don't know what's out there. And then I think, oh, I can't do that or I can't do that. And I know God's telling me to do it. You understand what I'm saying? So we all have to fight that same devil all of the time. That's the iniquity that still hangs around in there wanting to get in your heart so he can start motivating and running your life again. Amen. The devil wants to kick God out so he can move in full force. So Abraham was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice to God. Are we willing to do that? Well, I don't know what that is. Keep asking God. He'll show you. And what is it that you ask? You hope God will never ask you to do? That's it. His heart was to obey with the assurance that God would keep his word. That's all you got to know is that God will do what he says he will do if I'll do my part. That's faith. You can't be out there thinking, wondering if God's going to, you got to be locked into God and you know what you need to do to please him and he'll do what he says he will do. Often we disobey, God, disobey because we don't think God will do what he promised to do. That's, where, that's why Proverbs 4.20 is there. Attend to my words. If you stay in the word of God, you'll have assurance from God as to what he'll do. You know exactly, you can expect God to do certain things because he said he'll do them. Our concept of God must be pure, just as he is pure. Remember the guys with the talents, the one that hid his talent? Hiding things from God or withholding from God means that you don't believe he's pure. What did he tell the master? He said, I knew you were a hard master. You take everything. You don't give nobody nothing. And that was his concept of his master. That's why he hid it from him. I'm telling you the truth. 
Now, if we don't think higher of God than and, and think in line with his word, what he says he is in his word, we'll never be able to give full cooperation to God in anything because we always think he's not going to give us. I never get, get back. How come I don't get that kind of return? How come I, I still have thoughts that bug me like that. Uh, God, did I ever get, uh, you know, I gave so-and-so, and I'm talking about something 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And they ate it up, burned it up, and everything else is gone. I'm still trying to check on God to see if he gave me. You know what I'm saying? It's sick. I'm telling you, it's sick. We got a lot to repent of. You know? <laughs> a lot of work yet to do. Sometimes we don't like God challenging us and testing us in things. You know, you can tell when the test is on because you don't have nothing to extra. <laughs> That's a test. Huh? He said, let me see. Like uh, the devil said about Job, let me see what you gonna, what he's going to do if he's going to worship you if he broke. Huh? <laughs> so our concept of God must be pure, just as he is pure. You've got to know that he's a just, merciful God. All of those things must be true about God in your mind and in your heart. You've got to carry that in your heart about him. He's loving. He's forgiving. He trusts. You can share things with him. You can tell him things. You can allow yourself to open up before God, all that kind of stuff. And he says, <clears throat> our heart, he is pure. If we, for any reason, doubt God, our heart has been opened up to an influence that is not of God. So if you're thinking darkness about God, he, he's not going to do, well, he's too hard. I can't please God. He's going to require this. He's going to require that. All of that thing. And then God is living in you to help you do everything. That's grace. You, you understand what I'm saying? It enables you. Grace enables you to do the hard thing. It's not something you fall back on to keep from obeying God. You can obey God. We can all obey God. Are you kidding me? What do you think we're in this for? You may not think it's all that spectacular what you do, but it's obedience. It pleases God. What do you care? Huh? I remember telling a woman one time she was uh she had a, a little dance ministry at a church where i ministered and, and she had come up to the altar for prayer and god showed me a picture of her uh he showed me a picture in heaven he had a big refrigerator with all her little cutouts all her life and things that she was doing for him now he had like stickers on you know how you stick them up on your refrigerator your kids bring them home and she said you know what she said she started crying. She said, you know what? She said, I appreciate that. She said, because every time when I get up to dance before God, my mind tells me it doesn't look right. And it, people are just being nice to me. They just clap because they're being nice to me. I said, you're dancing for the Lord, honey. I won't see these bums sitting over here, sitting up on dope and all that crazy. What the, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it's nice if y'all like it, but hey, wait a minute now. Y'all ain't cutting me no paycheck here. What, what that? What up, what up, what up, what up? God is who I please. If he tells you to get up and do something, you go do it with all of your might. You got me? <laughs> we have to repent and get our thoughts in line with God's truth. Amen. What is true? Are you believing a lie about anything? 
you've got to line your, your mind up with what's true. Get our thoughts in line with God's word. Trusting God is the key. As Job said, I don't care about y'all little buddies come by trying to tell him where he messed up. And he said, I don't care. He said, if God kills me, I still trust him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Naked I came in this world and the same way going out. But in between, I'm trusting God. Amen. I'm thinking about y'all. I'm trusting him. In 1 Corinthians 15:58, I did steal that one for Pastor Shirley yesterday. Okay. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I do like this scripture because it is very encouraging. No, I can't find it. Stole it. <laughs> Stole it and can't find it. <clears throat> it says, therefore, my brethren, he talks about we are having the victory over everything through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's something good to remember. You can trust God because he's victorious. If for no other reason, he's a winner. And that's why you trust him. Amen. That's why Donald Trump has such a big following. They're sick of people talking doom and gloom to them. Are you kidding me? Anybody tells you you're a great country, you need to hear that. huh? Everybody needs to hear that about themselves, about where they live, about everything. Because it's true. So, so it says here, uh, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Ooh, ouch. Ooh, ow. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding in work. Ooh, Barb, that hurts. <laughs> Ooh, I was kind of looking for a desk job. Huh? Some would, you know, summer's off, a little long vacation, uh, benefits. And, ooh, abounding in work. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You need to do that. Why? Because that's the only thing that's going to pay off. He says your labor is never in vain in the Lord. Whatever you are doing for God, in God, abound in it. <laughs> three people are happy for that you know everybody else is what's she gonna say now she caught me so and so and she know about so and so i don't know about nothing but i do know i do know this much that if you keep trying to cut back on what you do for god huh? I see so many people ripping and running in and out of here all day on Saturday. I say, y'all need to be here sitting listening to the word. We come to church to hear the word. You don't come to church to rip and run. Well, I didn't get to do this yesterday. You've had all week to do it. You understand what I'm saying? You better get stuff done and get here and sit down and hear the word. Are you kidding me? You run out on God, he's going to run out on you. You sowed the first seed. When you had the power to serve a, sow a pure seed, you took a bite out of it because you felt sorry for yourself because you got kids to get, get up and all that kind of stuff. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. How dare you? You better grow up. Oh, well, maybe that's why I don't have That's exactly why you don't have it. Give to God and take away like you got. 
once you devote something to him, you better leave it over in his care. You kidding me? You run out of here and the car smash you between the building and you don't know. You understand? You're taking chances when you do that kind of, oh, now see, there you go with a bad confession. No, I'm warning you. Cut it out. That's my job. You've been duly warned. Cut that nonsense out. And start doing what, what you need. Listen, there's whatever you're running to do, it can be done at another time, or God will delegate it to somebody who's trustworthy to do. Huh? Stop making excuses for disobedience. You know, you get there, and I would tell people when they come to conference, once you check in with the ministry, don't keep running here and there. I got to go pick up this. No, you don't. This time belongs to the Lord. Because everybody that's there has a job and a function to do, and they cannot be missing. Well, she's controlling you. You better believe it. I almost said something else. Because this really burns me. You know what I'm saying? And you don't mind seeing somebody else picking up your slack. In fact, you feel good. You feel like you're important when that happens. Tell the truth. You need to grow up and stop this nonsense. You're at the conference to work and to worship. You're there to give it your best shot because the rest of your year for six months depends on that seed you sow. You better sow a good seed. And I don't want to hear no complaints about the food. I hope I kill that devil. If I did, I'm going to kill it every time I get. And of hotel. I don't want to hear nothing about that either. Go stay where you want to stay. Whatever. I don't care. You're here to get the word and labor in the word and making sure that people's needs get met. People come in. You should be at the altar and hear some of the problems people have. You'll see what's important. You understand me? But you don't have to be there. Just know it's important. If God's doing it, it's important. Amen. I thank God for each and every one of you that comes. But come with a, a, a love attitude. Man, leave the junk at home. You know, the earth ain't going to crack up if you smile. I might pass out, but you know. You know, people just got to keep it on because I'm bad and I'm mad. Well, everybody else can grin, but I ain't no grinning Christian. You need to be. You need to be. Guard your heart diligently. Don't let that nonsense creep in there. It didn't work with your crazy family, and all y'all was crazy. It's true. It wasn't working there. Why are you still doing it? You're in the kingdom now. You are a part of a worldwide body of believers who are heirs to everything in this world. Why are you acting like a crazy person? Man, find out who you are. Read the Bible and believe it. Huh? Incline, listen to what I say about you. Incline your ear to my saying. Huh? People, you do yourself a disservice when you focus on. You know what people messes them up sometimes is comparing themselves against themselves is what the Bible says. We we compare ourselves with one another. 
and you sit up and you look at somebody and you think you know what's going on in their life and you compare yours and you don't like you. You didn't like you when you left the house this morning. And if you don't straighten up, you will never like you. You understand what I'm saying? You have to do that first. Quit comparing yourself. Trying to be somebody you're not. God didn't call you to be that. Huh? No, you can come up for prayer. If you don't know what you, what, how God sees you, you know, God shows me, I'll tell you. You know, a lot of times I do that. <laughs> That's what prophecy is really for. It's not send you on a wild goose chase for a million dollars. Huh? You know, a lot of people don't have a million in them nowhere. But we can live well. Why are you going to stress yourself out over trying to be a millionaire? You don't even know how to use a calculator good. I know I don't. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, let's just get the bills paid, man, and have something left over. Can we start there? Don't despise it. They are small things. You may wish you had them again, man. Your labor is never in vain, and I don't care what you do for God. If you pack boxes, if you sweep floors, if you uh, cook meals, if you whatever you do, it's never in vain. It'll pay off. There's a big payoff for that. Huh? There's a big payoff for that. I remember one time thinking to myself, I said, I said, God, I said, we do so many tapes around here. I said, we taped everything we ever preached from day one. And I was thinking, I said, when we get to heaven, people are going to be showing up. <laughs> I got this one in 19, and you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's my labor. My labor is for him. Amen? Amen. And other things that I do. You know, I try to do as much as I can for God as often as I can for him. Amen? So it's worth it. His, our labor is never in vain. It's worth it. <clears throat> steadfastness is a form of sobriety did you know that it relates to sobriety amen what does it mean to be sober let me see what i have down here the bible tells us to be sober and to be vigilant i don't think i wrote the scripture down <laughs> too busy getting my definition to be sober and think soberly about ourselves don't be high-minded, fantastic, uh, and, and uh, a legend in your own mind. You know, we got enough of them around. But God says to think soberly about yourself. Just quit intoxicating yourself with your own self. Quit being fantastic to you. Huh? Because that same mindset that makes you fantastic today will make you less than anything tomorrow. That devil will turn on you. Amen. Watch yourself. That's why we got mood swings all over the body of Christ. Amen. One day you're all up in the cloud. Oh, God bless me with so-and-so and such-and-such. And, you know, all this. I got this and I got that. And next day, they, please pray for me, saints, because, huh? Yeah. You can go from fantastic to very low in no time. Everybody wants to go from the pit to the palace. huh? 
you don't want to pay pit price for nothing. Yeah, Joseph was in the pit, and then he got to the palace. Well, you might not just get to the palace. You might get outside the door one day. You just might get your freedom one day. Some of us don't have palace qualifications. They don't have palace gifts and palace abilities. But we can get our freedom and live joyful for God. Why we got to go palace all the time? Prophets prophets always want to prophesy to Michael Jackson. I hope some of your prophecies got him saved before he left here. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I prophesied to Michael Jackson. You better prophesy to yourself. Get in that mirror and start telling you, you okay being small like you are. Huh? Don't try to get big off nobody else. Michael Jackson trying to live himself. He got enough people depending on him for fame. Now you got to add God's people to that. Sober. Uh, we got to be sober in our thinking. Where do you live? What's your address? That's starting out sobriety. Who's in your house? Are they saved or not saved? What do, that's sober thinking. Because right now where I am, I'm responsible for certain things. What are those things? My household, my possessions, my children, my family, my bills, huh? my job. That's, the, that's your sobriety. That's where I live. And that's what I'm responsible for. It says to be sober means to be free from illusion. I-L-L-U-S-I-O-N. Now you see it, now you don't. It means not intoxicated or drunk with wine or not wine. Whatever you get drunk with, just don't be that. Be sober. He also tells us to be vigilant. Be on your guard because the devil is walking around giving you non-sober thoughts about yourself and other people too. Be careful what you think about other people. Not greedy or having selfish possessions. That's what sober means, not greedy. means to be of clear judgment, temperate, or full of self-control. To be sober means to be circumspect. It doesn't mean you're suspicious of everybody, but you're aware in God that there's an enemy on this earth too. You've got to keep him at a distance. It means to be self-controlled. It means to have one's wits about them and to be rational and not irrational. Sober thoughts are not lustful or sinful thoughts. They're sober thoughts. We need to understand sin is not what we do but what we think many times. And so your mind needs to be sober. The Bible says the soul that sins. Your soul can sin without your body ever participating. Jesus said, if you think these things in your heart, you covet things. Some people covet so much they don't even realize they want something that belongs to somebody else. Or they want something. See, sometimes you can covet things so long they become a part of you. You you can check, I've always wanted to. You got to check that in under the blood get that under the blood repent of that and say god if this is not what you have for me huh show me what you do have 
our thoughts, <coughs> we need to think thoughts of the word of God so they don't penetrate our hearts. So sobriety keeps us in the mind of Christ. Christ was sober. He, the Bible says he didn't think it was robbery to be God, but he laid all of that down. He said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He knew who we, he was. We know that we belong to God. We know that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We know we're capable of doing all the things that believers are supposed to do, but we don't let that get carried away with that, you see. Your flesh wants greatness just like your spirit man does. So sobriety keeps you in the mind of understanding why God has endowed you with the things that he's endowed you with. Sobriety means that we avoid extremes in our thinking and our behavior. If we exalt ourselves, our expectations are too high. And the next day we loathe ourselves and our expectations are too, our expectations are too low. Sobriety keeps you in the mind of God about yourself. Amen. Both extremes are sinful and not in line with the mind of Christ. So we have to release ourselves from entanglement with this mindset, this drunken mindset. I'm going to be a millionaire. I got a prophecy that said all that's drunkenness. Amen. You got to get sober. First thing I think is what's this going to cost me? <laughs> you know, you get a wonderful prophecy. Oh, God, what am I? Well, how do I get this done? You're going to have to show me. You understand? Give it right back to him. Amen. God gives you a prophecy. You give it back to him for safekeeping. See, because it'll get involved in your flesh and you'll run around telling everybody. You know, prophecy looks, looks, looks silly on people when it comes out of our flesh. God told me I'm going to do it, and you don't look nothing like that. And the way they look at you, you know you don't look this, so you need to give it back to God for safekeeping so you don't talk it to death. And it never comes to pass. You know, there is a way to guard everything in God's care. And that's through simple obedience to God. Keep your heart, value highly what your flesh despises. That's sobriety. Oh, flesh, you don't like this? I think I'll do this some more until you don't complain. Huh? Just like you do, I, I was amazed at the first week of the, uh, the new year. Well, I didn't go exercise you know planet the non-judgment zone parking lot is packed all the bicycles you know i'm on the old bicycles i don't get up on none of that stuff that's gonna hurt you i'm very low impact seriously i'm gonna get up there and have a heart attack on the treadmill are you kidding me my knees swell up i do low impact I lift, I lift weights in my house. I do resistance. I don't get on them machines and they go snapping and people running all over and they go grab the defibrillator. Uh, that ain't me. You understand what I'm saying? The little bit I do, I show up and the whole parking lot is packed. All these resolutions. I was in there this week and there wasn't nobody in there. Already they didn't quit. Huh? See, that's the, those people are not sober in their thinking. Huh? Ain't nobody in there with a body you want to have. 
Number one, I don't know why they think they go to the gym to meet somebody, but I don't see nothing in there I'm taking home with me. You understand? I'm going home alone. In worse shape than I am, and think they instead of little with a little gab walking around there trying to look like Miss Regina's boy. Remember the the boy she had? He said Pedro used to walk around like he was all buff and everything. I said, look, Pedro, go on over there and get on your machine and do what you gonna do. But Baba, I'm going home alone. You understand? I'm thinking sober, very sober. You know, get in your house, try to get in your wallet. And I know we ain't going there. <laughs> First thing they want to find out is what you got. No, thank you. Hmm? Well, sobriety. You find a lot of people around who ain't sober at all in their thinking. You know? All of them got on tights you wish they had on skirts. Huh? Come on now. Spare me. Spare me. A lot of people ain't sober out here. You understand what I'm saying? But God requires that we stay sober and understand God, amen, and what he wants. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. Tanya told me I had five. I'm taking six. So. Oh, I'm taking my five minutes. I got my five minutes. So anyway, all right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding, amen, that 